Welcome to the next episode of the Future of People Initiatives. What are people initiatives? Activities and programs that are designed by your leadership in order to activate your people, in order to create change within mindsets and behaviors that will help your organization reach its goals. Every episode, we're going to discuss a specific goal or a few. We'll talk about initiatives, but more importantly for me, we're going to unpack meeting them where they are. Participants, your people, your employees, what's happening in their mindsets as they're receiving these initiatives. I couldn't be more thrilled to have with us Bob DeMair with Maersk, world's most impactful supply company located in Denmark. Bob, I'm thrilled to have you on. Great to be here, Adam. I reached out to you to discuss the mindsets that are impacting supply chain. How important is supply chain to the world, to all of us? And uh, in our first discussion, it was clear to me this wasn't just your work. It was your life's work. I could tell the drive and the passion. So just to kick us off, Bob, what fuels you? What, what drives you to do what you do? Well, I, I do think that everyone needs to find their own kind of sense of purpose. And, and for me, developing people in some way has been a thread since I was a children's camp director 30 years ago, um, helping people in an outdoor education setting and right until now. And, you know, four years ago, I landed in this company that was, you know, stable, doing well, you know, growing, you know, probably at a kind of slow rate, but growing. And then suddenly this company became center stage for massive amounts of disruption. But I think also enormous good that happens in the world when people anywhere in the world are able to share um, their products, get it and, you know, bring up um, really, I would say, if you almost think of a human well-being index, you know, modern supply chain has lifted billion, you know, probably north of a billion people, you know, and it's it's really wonderful to be a part of that. And as we're changing quite rapidly right now, and we'll, we'll I think, get into that a little bit later, Adam, I have an opportunity in my job to really impact. I mean, if I think of all our employees and helping them make this shift and make it well and feel engaged while they're doing this, plus the impact of our company that has in really being able to connect the world it's uh, it's very exciting, and so I I always try to find the purpose in every every place I am, and and this this one's particularly exciting. I think it was seven years ago that I interviewed Simon Sinek for one of my first articles on Inc. And uh, that interview in his book, you know, just thinking about the role of purpose in our lives, like it certainly takes you way out of realm of work. I mentioned to you before jumping on, had a hard time sleeping last night. I was just thinking about the impact that these conversations that you and your organization have in the world, a billion people, right? These innovations, these disruptions, what can they do from a supply chain perspective? Um, so when purpose, personal aligns with organizational, uh, th that's, a, that's a gift. That's something to be grateful for. Um, so, so Bob, let's talk about your perspective within the organization. You are a talent and development leader, right? Share with me your just highlights there of your role and how do you see the organization and what are you responsible for? 
So I sit in our people function, human resources, uh, depending on how you label it. And we have, um, we have a team that takes out, it looks after what we call capability development. So that would be a lot of the upskilling and reskilling that we do on sort of technical capabilities, um, leadership capabilities is part of our team as well, and uh, our onboarding as well, how we bring them in. Now, Maersk has a fairly federated learning and development landscape. We have, in addition to sort of driving some strategic programs around a couple of super important capabilities for us. I mean, the digitization and technology is like many companies, I mean, front and center of our strategy. And, and secondly, all the elements of end-to-end -end supply chain. Uh, Maersk is known for being, uh, people always, you know, whenever we talk to, a, whenever a supplier comes in and talks to us and they pitch to us, they always put a ship on the front of it. And it's always funny, every single time. And actually, we're a lot more than ships now. We have, you know, we're opening two warehouses a week somewhere in the world, um, landside transportation, um, customs services, um, and as well, uh, you know, services that really raise uh, on the value chain what we can offer to customers in integrating their supply chains. So that's another really important one. And of course, um, as I mentioned, the, uh, the onboarding is a big piece of it. In our landscape, there's other learning and development teams that don't sit in that central function. We also play a role in coordinating with those teams to make sure we're leveraging synergies where we can things like technologies, um, partners, um, trying to think about ways we even do branding so that from the employee's perspective, it doesn't feel like a sort of mixed bag of, of departments delivering. I can't even imagine two warehouse per week that you're opening. From yeah. space to, to folks, to technologies, to so many aspects that are involved. Um, so, so with that, let's kind of kick off thinking about business goals, right? And there are business goals from a business-centric perspective. It could be revenue, it could be customer service, perhaps innovation, or really the people-centric perspective where we think about employee engagement, we think about career development, we think about wellness. You and I, Bob, touched on a few in our conversation. How do, how do you think about business goals from your perspective within the organization? It's very fresh in my mind right now, Adam, actually. I just came out of some sessions over the past week where we are looking at our strategy in 2030. And you might think, gosh, that's, you know, you know what are we? You know, the USSR kind of like doing five-year plans or something like that. But it's looking ahead at... Uh, looking ahead at what we're doing, we can see where our growth is going to be. We, we, we can see we've picked the right strategy at the right time. And that was even, you know, you know before the pandemic, we, we made some choices about where we wanted to go around integrated supply chain and really bringing that together for our customers. And now, when we, we can see that moving out, we already can kind of get an idea of what our workforce needs to look like in eight years. 
And as you start to work back from that, you start to see where are the gaps and where are the gaps that are going to be hard to close and what can we do to bring a number of different levers into place to meet that gap, to essentially having the people with the right capabilities in place uh, in eight years. And of course, you know, at every milestone up to that eight years. So we, yeah. Well, it's, no, no, please continue about. Um, it's, uh, so like if you start to just look at the numbers, I mean, you can have, you can hire the people. You know, that's obviously one thing we're going to be doing. We can also develop the people, accelerate people into certain roles so that they're ready. Um, if you look at one of the broad upskilling challenges that we have, or reskilling actually, is that we have a, a lot of really good people that have been growing through our organization in the shipping area. And we now are, as you say, you know, we're running warehouses, we're doing all of these other value add services and bringing them together. And we need to have people that can manage products, um, run operationally, um, actually sell them as well. And through that, we really need to close the gap and basically take the pipelines of people that we've got in the ocean business and try to give them opportunities to be in other places. And, and there's other kind of pathways for reskilling we're also looking at. I mean, we have people we call in our business our seafaring population. And one of the things we're trying to do is find ways that some of those people that have an aspiration that they want to make a pivot in their careers, how can they do that? And how can we create a channel for them to do this? But ultimately, from a business goal perspective, we've sort of taken the picture of the workforce that we want to see in eight years, and we're working backwards from there. And, uh, and it's been a fascinating thing to be, be a part of, to be a part of a sort of kind of detailed workforce planning exercise has been, uh, has been just amazing. You know, and, and I mentioned this in our first discussion, when you think about eight years out, it's such a long t thinking about where the world was eight years ago. Oh my goodness, where the world was three years ago and what's changed. It gives you enough runway to reimagine. You, you can now move beyond your current capabilities, technologies. You can now start to rethink what the world will look like, both externally and, of course, internally. And, and I love that, you know, this focus is giving us the opportunity to unpack. All right, so the goal number one is we have a picture, future state of our organization. We're now saying, okay, what are the gaps between where we are now and that future state? We understand part of those gaps will be filled externally. However, in this conversation, we're focusing on the initiatives that are internally, which is what you can control. These are the folks that you have here. How do you accelerate upskilling, right? So how do you think about that challenge with that kind of runway in mind? How do you identify folks internally? And again, what kind of initiatives would you contemplate in order for you to meet this gap as a goal? Well, and there's a number of things we're doing. It's definitely not going to be sort of a one, uh, a, a single approach. And and there's also an element to that is you, it's not just about 
the numbers of people with the right skills in the role. There's also a whole mindset and culture. And when we, when we develop our leaders and, and uh, you know, leaders and our experts around the organization, we also have to think about what, is the, what are the different mindset and culture aspects that we need to have to transform the company. And to give you an example of that, Adam, we, I mean, the shipping business used to run basically with a lot of very smart people sitting in Copenhagen being able to almost plan these kind of trade routes and, and you know, our, our liner business where you'd move these ships like conveyor belts around the world. And it was relatively predictable in terms of you pretty much had to fill the ship and move it around and 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 that was it now we're having to be much more customer centric and work with configuring kind of building blocks of solutions together for our customers being able to really listen to them and and that's required us to build some new muscles that then Maersk has, has looked at. So, and so th- there is, you know, when you say, how do you do that? One of the initial steps that we've already taken, we, we took a group of about 700 leaders. Um, l- last year, we took them through a journey where we basically had them developing a customer-centric strategy for their area. We break the world up in, in our um, what we call ocean logistics area into about 27, 29 areas in, in the world. And each one had to really develop a sort of strategy of how to start with their customers and their pain points and work back from there. And, you know, the, the history in Maersk, people always would just think about the product and going, here's the product. How can I make this product kind of fit for you, customer, and now we're having to think about the customer, what their pain points are, what their customers need, really truly understanding that business and developing plans in those areas that are very much starting with a customer first perspective. That was really different. So what we did is we put together this program where the center of the program was building an area business plan. And what we did is we were, yeah. Yeah, so, so real quick, Bob, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, speak of leading by example, your CEO participated in most of the groups or all the group sessions? Yeah, group sessions? yeah. Actually, the, the way the program worked is you, uh, uh, they had to build this plan and we put in, we gave them a lot of support and coaching and uh, we used, we have an internal management consulting internally to Maersk that worked with this leadership program. We uh, partnered with IMD to, uh, you know, bring in a lot of sort of great external input. But at the end of the thing, they had to present to the CEO of Ocean and Logistics. And one of the things that um, when I did my, I did doctoral research in uh, kind of developing people. and, And one of the things I believe quite strongly in is you have to turn up the temperature a little bit. People learn when when there's a there's a bit of stakes involved, and you know having to present out to our CEO, who attended every single session. I mean, it was an enormous time commitment, um, along with several members of um, the executive team in Ocean and Logistics. 
you know, that at the end of it, people had to really sweat to get ready. And, you know, there was a couple of checkpoints where they had they had to sort of do an early rough version of it. And in some cases, some of these groups got, you know, ripped to pieces because they they went product, product, product rather than starting with the customer. But the learning that came out of that and I had I mean, I, I had groups coming back to me and said it, it not only helped us build a set of skills, but it, it was one of the most effective team development exercises as well. But it got us thinking about what it means to be customer centric. And, and part one of the ways it did that was actually people making those mistakes and going into the old patterns. So that would be one way. It's more from a mindset perspective now you ask you know you know how do you do it from a skill perspective um that's one of the things we're working on building right now is um is building what we're calling an accelerator program and we're going to have a series of them where we're actually going to take people and allow them to essentially um kind of shift lanes in in their career in the middle of their career. And so I, and I think I am, I have to say, it's the thing I'm probably most excited about that someone could be, you know, like a 40 year old manager in procurement and, and sort of see this opportunity that would be advertised for people. And you say, would you, you know, would you like to, you know, manage one of our warehouses, you know, one of the big ones at, at some point. And, and and we'll take you on a journey to get you to a point where you can you can do that through experiences you know and a lot of this is going to be very experience based and you know through some coaching through a peer support um through some kind of some formal education um but i think a lot of it is going to be really well chosen experiences as we do this and that in a, in a period, we will accelerate your ability to shift gears and the company will support you in doing that. It's almost like being able to be a graduate again in the middle of your career somewhere. And that's going to be um, one of the big levers that we play is we, we really want to invest in our own workforce. And we believe very strongly that if you have a, a foundation of general business skills and you've got the right mindset and you're, you've got that learning agility that you can do that and you can make that shift. And that's going to be one of the, um, one of the it, you know, not only the people that are in it, but I think the signal that it sends to even the people that are not in that program. Because we're going to give people lots of tools to even self-guide along that kind of upskilling journey. And, and I'm sure we will get some people that don't even wait to join the cohort, you know, that goes, goes through that, that they'll say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try and take it upon myself to help, help shift gears. We're also going to be introducing a talent marketplace. And a lot of companies are looking at that right now. We see that as being a tool that could help us do this. We're not going to rely on that. We're going to make it work without having a a sort of tech tool behind it, but we think the idea of people being able to sign up for a gig in another part of the organization is going to be another way where we can really unlock, you know, the potential of, of mobility in our workforce too. 
those words, I was just thinking about those two words, unlocking potential, right? It's unlocking potential mobility, it's unlocking potential of the humans inside the organization. And, and what you mentioned before, the 700 leader program that helped to really shift the mindsets toward customer centricity. And you said the folks, they raised, they raised to the occasion when they were challenged. Because otherwise, how do we know? How do we understand our potential until we have a challenge? I mean, if, if someone said to me a couple of years ago that I would be on stages or, or on podcasts like this, I'd say absolutely never. I'd never do that, right? But then I discovered what I'm passionate about, and that became very different for me. It's just discussing what I love. Um, so, Bob, let, let's zoom out and then zoom back in. As we think about, again, 2030, right, we're looking at the gaps. We're honing in on initiatives around upskilling, but really identifying the unlocked human potential within some of your team members, which I absolutely love. Um, we're talking about various ways in which to unlock it, to identify it. It could be cohorts, it could be on project basis, which is really giving them the opportunity to raise their hand, to say, I would like to consider adding more value. I would like to unlock what I'm capable of. What I'd like to check in on with you is their mindset for a minute. So I was looking at the recent Gallup study from, uh, I think it's a month ago. The disengagement challenge is costing the world $7.8 Only 21% are engaged in the workplace. And the context, right? You, you mentioned a manager within one of your facilities and how to accelerate their journey. Stressed, anxious notifications, we're dealing with a world that's changing, political landscapes, how's that impacting our families, our loved ones? How do we first understand what is your perception of their current mindset, right? Let's just, just talk about that for a minute, then ask the question of how do we reach them if that is their current mindset? It's, I mean, if, if you look at, uh, I mean, we, we know that people are really busy and and the number of things coming at them at any one time is is incredible and and you know we we think a lot about um the word empathy is probably the the number one Thing we're thinking about that is particular to our leadership challenge right now. Um, you know, our um, my friend Christine, who's our head, our head of leadership development, uh, always likes to use the example that um, seventy percent of leadership is pretty much the same in any company. You know. What's really interesting is what is that 30% that's unique to your context and where your business is in your environment? And we are changing. The fact that we're growing and having to sort of transform so quickly, it put extra, it's putting extra challenge on people. I mean, just the fact that we ran that program last year was like this thing on top of everything else we were trying to do as a company. And I mean, there as much as I know people at the end of it were thrilled that they'd been in it there were moments in the middle of it that they were just like why did you put this thing on us right now so empathy 
is something we talk about a lot is being able to really understand people's situation. And it's not just their work situation, what else is going on with them right now. And I mean, I have to say Maersk has a culture of being really cognizant of that in people. I think a, a little bit of it comes out of the sort of Scandinavian um, work mindset, which is, the whole idea of people being really flexible around their time and their jobs and where they work and everything. I mean, we were doing that before the pandemic, you know, this idea that, oh, I need to, you know, I need to leave it to, to, you know, pick up, pick up my, my son from daycare because he's got it. I mean, you, it just no question of go like you wouldn't. And, and that's something I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I think we've doubled down on is just being able to say, listen, You've got, you know, I, this idea of like work-life balance is that you've got to integrate, you've got to make it all fit together. I think it's, and, and we do that, uh, we practice that a lot. And that's one thing we talk a lot with, with leaders about is, is thinking about this idea of empathy. Because um, it helps us not with our employees. It's, it's a muscle we've had to build, as I said, with our customers is this idea of really being able to listen and what's going on and what else is going on and what, and not just thinking about what's going on in the box of the tasks that you do in the next six hours. It's uh, yeah. You know, Bob, another that 70% you mentioned uh, also from the research I've seen 70% of the employee experience is their manager. Or seventy percent of the variance in that experience is, is attributable to the manager. So when we talk about, you know, managers used to be all about tasks, right? It was all about what time did you show up, what time do you go home, did you get it done on time? And then we understood that to unlock that human potential to engage folks, there's much more to it. And uh, you talk about empathy, and and I think there's. It, there's so many lines that we're re-exploring. You could go too much. You could go into really understanding, and then you can't really demand certain level of performance that is necessary for your team. There could be those challenges. There could be challenges of even f finding the time to have these conversations. When do you have them? Do you, do you, do you discuss the work, and then you move on to empathy? Uh, I'm curious if there's anything on the connection between vulnerability and empathy where leaders and, and I've had some challenges in, in our organization here in the last couple of months that got me to think about empathy and uh, how do we find the time and the mindset for it sometimes when we get stressed but I'm curious from connection how does how does a leader engage in a conversation that is true and genuine and shows empathy and is there a connection to vulnerability from your experience well, I have my, my view, I think, absolutely the vulnerability thing. And I, I just, I, I, you know, I can think of a moment yesterday. We were, we were talking about our team engagement and my team. And uh, I, I, I shared a little bit of just some fear and just thinking about, like, we we're all talking about how we're doing with everything going on. And I kind of share, I, I, I shared, um, boy, like we've got a lot ahead of us. I, I think sometimes I, I, I'm like, are we up for this? 
And, and it's, you know, it scares me a little bit. And I had one colleague in the room that just said, you know, just hearing that someone else is thinking that just made me feel so much better. And um, I think sometimes that you, I believe that you have to start the way you build trust is you, you, you let your vulnerable, you, you become vulnerable in some ways and you let people know where you're, you know, uh, and, and, it gives people that sort of unwritten permission to, to return with that, you know, to, to build trust. You, you, you put yourself on the line, I think. Thanks for sharing that, Bob. And, uh, I also think that made the conversation real because often we put on a face, right. Or, or in organizations, often you expect to hear everything is jolly. Everything is good. We're moving forward. We can get it done. But you made it real, and you and you presented the you know kind of your your authentic self. So, excellent example, Bob. So, where I'd like to go next is, um, in our last discussion at the end, you said those words. You said in L and D, you're starting to hear how do we think like marketers, right? How do we think about meeting them where they are? We know common sense is not common action. We get too busy with our professional and personal lives. So as we think about this challenge of unlocking human potential, how do we help leaders unlock that within their folks, how to inspire and to engage? What is your ideation around 2030? How do we reach them? How do we begin to think the way marketers think because they're able to reach them? They're able to get through the noise and the busy personal, professional lives. So I'm curious to unpack that future state. I think we're still pretty early in that journey. And uh, I mean, I think the world of uh, the, the tech tools that are starting to come to uh, are not starting. I mean, it's it is a very, very complex world right now to try and navigate people, technology. Um, you know, I just listened to Josh Burson's podcast last, last week and his, I think at the title of the episode was like something like, you know, that the world of HR tech is just brutal. I think that was the, the title and it, it's true. We are getting there, but it's messy right now. It's a bit like when you're cleaning up your room, it's messy before it gets clean because you got to kind of pull everything out. And we right now would like to be able to deliver learning experiences that really do um, use the contextualized data of your situation. And so that when I as a leader, raise a job requisition, it knows that. It might know that I've had, you know, a team member for two years. It might know all of these different data points and put them together to make suggestions that actually astound by how timely they are, you know. And you're right, marketing does it. We all have had the experience in going, I didn't even... How did that come up in my, you know, feed? I was, I was just thinking about it. Like, <laughs> it just came up. Like, you know, I'm looking for a lawnmower and I didn't even type it in anywhere. It just suddenly knew I was looking for a lawnmower because it somehow 
you know, you know, triangulated some different data points. And we think with learning, you know, if we really want to provide performance support, you get people to have just that nudge at the moment they're going to need it. And I don't think we're there. And, and I, as much as many companies will promise that it can be there, I think we're a couple of years away from all of that really coming together in the right way. We're working on it, but I think the tools of digital marketing are still, they still have a little ways to really um, work in a learning center. I, th I think there's, you know, a couple of companies that are, are getting close. I'm, I'm hoping that we can learn from some, some of those, but that's, that's what I really envision. We've painted a picture of that when we've talked about that, as we get towards 2030, that that's what learning is going to be like. It's going to be performance support, not content transfer. It's going to be things that really help you in the moment um, when you need them. And we also just want to create experiences that take people out of their comfort zones and in a way that helps us also get real work done. Um, that's um, yeah, that's another way. I'm getting I I'm getting away from the marketing question. I think there. So, I think there, so. no, you you were just I think uh, going deeper into it because it is very much all encompassing. You know the questions of meeting them where they are. Performance. Uh, you said the words you used was performance. Thank Support. you. So, exactly um, requires for us to think about what do we know about them? What do we know about the employee experience? And where is that data? How do we access that data? And you said you're early on. I think the most progressive organizations are asking these questions. I don't believe anyone has a solution. The question is being asked, and Josh Burson, if you're listening, we exchanged a few emails. I'd love to have you on. Uh, I think Josh represents amazing thought leadership on this topic. Um, and you mentioned the word nudges because we're nudged in our personal lives. You know, Bob, that uh, the world of nudges is, is close to home for me. We've been nudging positively organizations now for almost five years, and um, it's extraordinary. Again, the words common sense is not common action come to mind. Um, all right, so where I'd like to go next, Bob, is, and, and we'll wrap up on, you said the CEO's goal within the organization is how you look at people and capabilities. Can you help me understand when you think about 2030, how do you frame the question? And I'd like to unpack that for those that are listening. I think it's fascinating to be thinking that far out. And I'd like to frame how that thinking internally is, uh, is taking place. Well, I, I guess we're working right now on the strategy. And, and I think one of the cool things about what we're doing right now in Maersk is, uh, you know, the, the previous round of strategy I was involved in, there was a business strategy written. And then after it, there was a people strategy that sort of responded to that. What's amazing about what's happening now is actually coming right from the CEO. It, you know, our Sorensko, our CEO has said the people element is, is, is a fundamental piece of our business strategy. It's not something that sort of responds to the bill's business strategy. It is part of the business strategy. And 
So we're doing that together. There's actually all these different sort of streams, you know, you know, kind of looking at projecting out our business growth. And at the same time, there's a team of us kind of looking at kind of workforce projections. And then, you know, what are the levers we might pull to try and get closer to where we need to be in eight years and, and at every milestone along the way. And so what I think is really exciting is the fact that the business is understands that the people element, and it's not just, just having the employees, but building the capabilities and the culture is, is a fundamental pillar of, of the strategy. And so that's, that's the mindset right now. And it, it, it's wonderful to have um, a situation where we are more than kind of at the table. I mean, that's a, starting to become a bit more of a dated metaphor. In the, But it's, I mean, we're really working on a business strategy that has, you know, a very strong people element of it. Of it. And as I said, you know, we're, we're starting to paint a picture of 2030 and then working backwards from there, which uh, I, I, I find it just an exciting process. I'm learning a lot right now. So, Bob, this has been an amazing conversation. I, I look forward to staying, kind of in, uh, checking in with you on your journey. And uh, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I call it a fusing of the minds in order for us to pursue kind of future state. So this was fun. Cool. Thanks, Bob. All right.